on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Thursday, October 12th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'll be joined by Steve Hellwagon in just a moment. The crux of the show is you know, we're going to kind of decipher um, the comments from Justin Fry and Brian Hartline. Uh, yesterday, they met with the media after practice last night. And, uh, you know, the media has been wanting to talk to Coach Fry and Coach Hartline. We got that opportunity after practice yesterday. Some interesting stuff. Before we bring Steve in, and before we get to all of that, I want to let you guys know about one of our great sponsors, Manscaped. There's a reason, my friends, that this place, this company has blown up as much as they have uh, and continues to blow up. Um, We are brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Ball-O-Ween to bring bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and using the code BUCKNUTS for 20% off plus free shipping. What I like is how incredibly smooth the Handyman is. You definitely don't have to worry about razor burn with this product. And it will be the smoothest smoothest shave you've ever had by far. And again, thanks to the Bucknuts Morning 5, we have a great deal for you guys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCKNUTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BUCKNUTS. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. All right. Let's bring in a man named Steve Hellwagon. Steve, as I said, I want to just kind of decipher um, you know, our, our main takeaways from Justin Fry and, and Brian Hartline. Um, with Justin Fry, um, it's interesting. I mean, right now it's an anemic running game, 96th in the country in um, rushing yards per game. He's the run game coordinator, the offensive line coach. The offensive line's not playing well. And his interview yesterday, and I get it, he's not going to sit there and blast his guys or give away secrets. Um there's a lot of word salad, though, from, in my opinion, from Justin Fry. Just a lot of word salad. I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm still, I'm not giving up on them by any means. I'm, I'm still taking a wait and see approach. Um, but they've got to get markedly better fast, Steve. Yeah, Dave, I agree with you. Um, I think, first of all, there isn't anybody that we talk to on a weekly basis that uh, Jerry Emick, the sports information director, hasn't vetted that list with. Uh, Coach Day, I think that Coach Day, you know, and his top consigliaries will decide 
on a weekly basis which players uh, and which coaches can uh, talk to the media. We usually get Jim Knowles every Tuesday because he's quote unquote the head coach of the defense, you know, type thing. Whereas Day, his bailiwick is the offense. And, and you can ask Day questions about the Ohio State defense. He's generally like, you need to ask Jim about that, you know, that type of thing. So they cut right to the chase and give us Jim Knowles pretty much weekly, which is awesome because he spends 20 minutes, you know, trying to bring you up to date. Last year it was painful because how bad they were at times this year. It's been uh, it's been pretty good to talk to him. So to finally get some assistant coaches yesterday, other than Jim Knowles, we got Larry Johnson, Brian Hartline, and Justin Fry in particular, and Keenan Bailey as well. And uh, I I thought, you know, the same thing that you did, that Fry spoke for 10 or 15 minutes and really didn't have a lot of answers for why things haven't gone well for the offensive line. And I, like a lot of people, watched the Joel Klatt analysis this week. Of course, Mark Porter did some as well on this site. And I think it's just a matter of the personnel that that you have on the offensive line. It's just not up to the same standard that Ohio State's had in recent years. I mean, you look, you lost two NFL starting tackles alone with DeWan Jones and Paris Johnson off that team. Whipler's getting a little bit of run as well uh, here and there. So uh, to me, it's the material. I think it's unfair to totally put this at Justin Fry's feet. Yes, he's their coach. But the only guy who's playing that he had hand in bringing here was Josh Simmons, the uh, transfer from San Diego State, uh, who's been kind of up and down, you know, side to side, good pass blocker, not much in the run game. Uh, You know, you could say what you want. The penalties have been ridiculous. Uh, They haven't given up a lot of sacks, but they absolutely can't run the football. 62 yards net last week on 33 attempts against Maryland. Maybe Travion Henderson's worth another 40 yards if he plays. But again, 100 yards is nothing to write home about. So, uh, you know, they got to do better. And that that goes for all phases of the game, Dave. The first two and a half quarters, you know, I I got on a downhill roll after the game. I'll try not to do that today. In in the light of day, things – the most mystifying 20-point win in the over an undefeated team, no less – in the history of Ohio State football is what that was last week. And uh, Maryland got into the fourth quarter. It was a three-point game, and they kind of rolled over and played dead. You know, going for it on fourth down when it was still a game with eight minutes to go made no sense. But at any rate, uh, they got to play better. That goes for everybody across the board. This This is it. This is the last stop on the train line before... Penn State. I mean, this is it. This is the last dress rehearsal, the last dry run. If you don't get it right this week, there's no reason to think you're going to beat Penn State next week. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with the offensive line and really this whole team. We're going to get back to Fry in just a moment. Then we're going to hit Heartline. Um, but I do. I'm glad you touched on Purdue. One thing I like from Ohio State's perspective is how much talk, and rightfully so, when you look at the record, it's like, damn, that's Ohio State's record against. Purdue at Ross Aid since 2000. Yeah, it is. Um, I love that there's so much talk about it. Like, it, they, Ohio State's got to be sick of hearing how they can't go to Ross Aid Stadium and win. I mean, it's like, it reminds me of the 07 game where they kept hearing about it and they went over there and smacked them. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if there's like a lot of the boiler up, uh, uh, boiler up, uh, or if it's just like, nope, none of that. And you can just hear the Ohio State fans. But I seriously, Steve, I like that there's all this talk about, oh, Ohio State always struggles when they go to Ross Aid. 
Yeah, uh, three and five there since uh, 2000 and, uh, you know, some spectacular losses in there when you think about it. I mean, Terrell Pryor, the team in 2009, they were ranked number two or number three in the country. They lost to Danny Hope was the coach, and they were one and five, Purdue. And it was the first time Ohio State had lost to a team four games under 500 in like decades. I'd have to look that up. I, I'm sure I wrote about it at the time, but probably Cooper. It had to be a Cooper. Yeah, team. the four, probably six, the, and one year. It might have been maybe late in that season. Cooper. Yeah, yeah it could, could have been that. Of course, that brings up the fact that Coop was four, six, and one in his first season. And I've talked about it after the game, how day is now 50 and six in his fifth season. So, uh, you know, Mr. Third base has done pretty well for himself, I think. And I'm, I'm just kind of joking when I say that I don't believe that comment about him at, at all, because he's taken the ball and he's run with it with three playoff berths and four seasons. So uh, he's done just fine uh, overall. I feel uh, Ryan day, but uh, you know, I think the coaches, in addition to what's happened at Purdue and, and you know, maybe Josh Proctor and, and Matthew Jones may still be on the team from guys who were there in 2018, but that's probably about it. Six years later, five years later, um, Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator, you know, getting ready to become the head coach in a, in a month or two after that loss. And uh, that was the only loss that season, 13-1. and one. They won the Rose Bowl with Dwayne Haskins, and he threw for almost 500 yards in a 49-20 to 20 loss. It was just a weird, weird day. The wind was blowing 30, 40 miles per hour. There had been a storm that had come through West Lafayette. As we're driving to the stadium, there are trees down everywhere. It was just ridiculous. It was kind of like scorched earth over there when we got there, and we were in the remnants of that storm. It, the front was still kind of going through. So uh, it was a weird game. And on top of the fact that Ohio State hasn't won at Purdue very much, uh, I think the coaches probably were crammed up there this week with just how bad last week was against Maryland. Uh, it was not a good game by Ohio State. I don't care what the final score said. Uh, for two and a half quarters, it was a terrible display of Ohio State football. And, and it wasn't even because Maryland played great. If Maryland had played great or if they were playing Penn State or Michigan, it would have been 21 to nothing. That's how bad the first half was for Ohio State, in my opinion. No offensive touchdown. I mean, just stop and conjure that for a second. They played two quarters against Maryland and didn't have an offensive touchdown. So uh, if the coaches can't motivate this team, you know, it's got another one of these sleepy noon starts. Next week, it won't be a problem because popcorn's going to be popping. The band's going to be playing. This is the game of the year, at least until Michigan, Ohio State versus Penn State. Everybody's going to be chomping at the bit for that one. This one, playing a two and a four team on the road. I, I did a hit on WTVN radio, and I said, this will be like when the guys were on a bus going to a high school game and driving in there early in an empty parking lot because that – you know, the Ohio State people are going to go. The Purdue people are going to show up, go to the game, and go home. And that's it. They're not going to be out there early screwing around, you know, whatever. Their team's two and four. If they're going to go, there'll probably be a lot of empty seats, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, Ohio State usually does pack them in over there pretty good. But at uh, any rate, uh, you have to bring your own guts this week because, uh, you know, bring your own excitement because you won't find a whole lot of it over there. Little Dabo quote, BYOG, bring your own guts. All right. 
Now, one thing, there was a one part of the Justin Fry interview. You can get on our YouTube page and, and watch the Justin Fry interview if you haven't already. Uh, again, it was mostly word salad. Um, but, you know, the one thing, the one little bit of meat on the bone was when he did t- admit, basically, um, that he needs to simplify things. Maybe he threw too much at this offensive line, especially, you know, breaking in three new starters. Um, he said, you know, maybe, you know, he didn't say maybe. He said, yeah, he answered the question that they're starting to simplify some things and maybe that'll – That'll help Thank get the So, um, yeah, and you mentioned I, I jotted it down as well. It's a good point. You got to remember he's just you know been here a year and a half. It's not his recruits, but it's not like he took over a disaster. Donovan Jackson, five star. I mean, these guys. It's just they've got to play markedly better. But um, I found I did find that that was the one thing in the interview I found interesting was him talking about simplifying things for the so line, Steve. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, one of the things that Coach Day, uh, I was not there Tuesday because I went to Minnesota for the Big Ten uh, basketball media days, which uh, we've got all kinds of stuff on the site covering from that. And I'll have much more uh, stuff coming from that. Um, one of the things that I felt interesting was that Coach Day said nobody behind the starting offensive line is put themselves in a position to replace anybody in the offensive line. And I wouldn't expect Luke Montgomery as a true freshman to be shoved in there. I, I don't think, I think that's unfair to him. He needs a full year in the strength and conditioning program to where he's got the lead in his pencil to go in there and play. I mean, maybe I, all things being equal, maybe, you know, he gets more of a shot at it next year. Uh, for Enoch Vamahi uh, to be in like his fourth or fifth year, whatever it is, and for Justify in the spring to say he should start, he should be starting and, and whatever. And of course, he's a guard and, and he's behind Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson, two veterans. So it kind of makes it hard to get him any playing time. Uh, and then Tegritosh Bola, it looks like he's been moved from tackle to guard. Uh, to because they're losing those two guards after the season. If Jackson goes pro, uh, then Tegra would be slotted, I guess, at guard next year. I think it's easy to talk about this five games into the season. They're not going to they're not going to tear it all up and start over in week six with open tryouts on the offensive line. But I think in the off season they have got to seriously look at going and getting a couple starters, couple people that. You know, you bring in Victor Cutler, and he didn't really push Hensman. It doesn't feel like he's never played it down, I don't think. Maybe a couple series early in the season, he hasn't done anything to, you know, push anybody, you know, out of a job. You got to go get, you know, a Jonah Jackson, somebody that's going to come in and play at a near all-Big Ten level if you expect to to be there. Because you're not going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. to make up for everybody else's stupid mistakes. I mean, in the Joel Klatt analysis of what was wrong with the offensive line, he just kind of drops in there. And, of course, they've got Marvin Harrison, who very well may be the best player in college football. He makes up for a lot of people's dumbass mistakes uh, with an over-the-shoulder catch and, you know, getting open in traffic and everything else that – I mean, you think enjoy watching him play seven, eight, nine more games for Ohio State because that's going to be it for him. And this offense without him uh, pulling their iron out of the fire next year, I, and Agbuka as well. I don't know, Dave. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's move on with Heartline. Um, we've had a couple of uh, comments about Heartline team defensive yesterday. Um, 
I don't know. Heartline's just a, you know, I, I, I didn't get that impression. I, I don't know. what Did you feel like Heartline was a little defensive with his answers to the media? I, I didn't get that vibe. Well, Heartline is kind of a brash guy. And, right. um, you right. know, he has got a lot of self-confidence and belief in what he does. And I don't think that he's a guy who's going to accept failure. And I don't think he's a guy who's going to admit that there are a lot of shortcomings. I think yesterday he had to admit, you know, that, that, it, that they definitely want it to be better. Um, you know, instead of really calling him the coordinator, I think in his first year, I think you have to think about him as just being one piece of a overall puzzle along with Ryan day and Corey Dennis and, uh, certainly Justin Fry, you know, in, in coordinating this offense and, and really putting everything together. Maybe Joe Philbin involved as well behind the scenes. A lot of people, he, he talked about Joe Philbin, how it would be crazy to not have a guy who was a coordinator, excuse me, in a Super Bowl and an NFL head coach to not use his counsel and go down and talk to him about, you know, this and that and solutions and whatever. So I think that that he is availing himself of everything that he has to try and make the situation as good as it can be. It's just he is not going to sit there and he did have some humility. At least he wasn't wearing his sunglasses like he was at one of the, one of the last – times he did his interviews when he would coach prime on everybody but uh i think he did sit there and look everybody in the eye and try to give everybody a square answer yesterday and uh i i thought he did fine with what he had to say and i'd listen to it again and just to double check but uh yeah i i think he's going to be fine i think i think he's doing a fine job no no question about it uh you know you talk about ryan day's the one who's probably making 90 percent of the play calls well, i yeah, Ryan Day, I think, looks at Brian and says, okay, what do you think in this situation? And then he either rubber stamps that or he goes off on his own tangent. Um, what I what I would like, and this is my own little pet peeve, was they got down to the four-yard line on the Fleming play and they ran that wide side toss to Chip Trianum and he scored standing up, just ran, you know, was able to outrun everybody side to side, got it in the end zone. They got it back down there again, and I'm like, it was in the same exact spot, left hash, and I'm like, run the same bleep, bleep play. No. They fake the toss, and then McCord's rolling out to the left, short side, everybody's covered, incomplete pass, and I'm like, we ain't splitting Adams here. I mean, they didn't stop it the first time. Maybe he doesn't score, but he's certainly going to get it down inside the two-yard line. I mean, let's let's you know, Oregon proved it two years ago. If you run the same play three times, maybe you'll score all three times with it. So I'm uh, a big believer in that too, Steve. If yeah, you run, just, run it until they prove they can stop it. They get too cute. They're just too cute. And uh, Trayvon Henderson does give this offense some zoom zoom. Uh, he's a weapon that you have to. Uh, take a guy uh, out of coverage and put him down in the box because if you don't cover all your gaps and he hits one of those gaps, then he's gone. So 
to me, uh, he can be a difference maker and, and change uh, maybe a, the, how the defense looks at it. Again, this week is not about Purdue. Purdue's two and four for a reason. They're not any good. This is about Ohio State. This is about Ohio State has got to play. I would never expect them to play a perfect game because it's just never happened against a quality opponent but or a conference opponent. What they need to do is go play a solid game, and that's what I want to see. We'll all, we'll all look each other in the eye at halftime after the game, and we'll say, yes, that's what I needed to see. Or we'll be sitting here after the game going on downhill rant again about this sucked, this wasn't right, why'd they do this, and, you know, and then you're really wondering, can they beat Penn State? In just a moment, Steve and I are going to talk about Carnell Tate perhaps stepping up because I, I seriously doubt Emeka Buka is going to play on Saturday. Hopefully he's able to play against Penn State. That seems maybe that's ominous. We're going to talk Carnell Tate. Could this be the time Brandon Ennis steps up? We're going to get into all that, but, but I want to let you know about our other sponsor, BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? and you can't figure out why, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. It's also just nice to be able to talk with someone. It helps you feel better and be more productive in your personal life and your career. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bucknuts today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bucknuts. There you go. All right. Now, are the Buckeyes going to get better help from Carnell Tate on Saturday I'm getting that vibe. I know Santonio Holmes was a uh, redshirt freshman at Indiana when he had his breakout performance. Drew Carter got hurt. That's why Santonio finally got a chance. Um, Carnell Tate, um, I don't think Emeka is going to play. I think we might see a uh, a breakout performance from young Mr. Tate, Steve. Yeah, that that's entirely possible, uh, Dave. And I, I think that uh, when you look at it, uh, you know, he's a guy that's got the size, the frame, the ability to go and get the ball, and uh, he's a dog. And I, I want to see, uh, you know, if he gets to play uh, 40 plays, 50 plays, whatever it might be, what he comes back with. Because if if Emeka Ibuka is not there, then Purdue almost certainly will be bracketing and doubling uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and making it hard for him to get the ball. So somebody else – uh, Xavier Johnson's been involved a little bit, Fleming a little bit, and Carnell Tate, I think, is a tremendous uh, receiver, a difference maker, potentially. And so uh, I think it would be uh, great if he's able to get out there this week and get involved in this type of a game. That way, as they go down the stretch, you now have one more weapon that you can throw in. Heartline continues to cling to this notion that the three best guys are going to play most of the reps. And to me, that works against the idea that you're signing two or three five-star wide receivers every year. If they really are this good, you know, play them at least a few plays here or there <clears throat> so that in this situation, when Buka goes down, you've got somebody 
uh, ready to go. So Tate's still somewhat of an unknown, but uh, this is, you know, an opportunity if, if it is the case. I would agree with you. There's no reason for Buca to overextend himself uh, with, against Purdue. Obviously, you've got to win the game. And, and I, you know, if I anybody who's a Purdue fan out there who's upset with what I said earlier, you know, that it's not about Purdue, it is about Purdue and the fact that they're going to be, you know, on the same field. But uh, Ohio State, by all rights, needs to go out. I mean, this is a team Wisconsin beat there by three touchdowns two weeks ago. So, uh, you know, Ohio State's got to do go out and do the same thing. Yeah, Steve, don't you dare offend the Purdue comments, <clears throat> the Purdue fans that, that watch our show, because both of those people are good people. Well, Ryan Walters, I think, is going to do a good job at Purdue. He comes highly regarded, did a bang-up job defensive coordinator at Illinois, has been around a lot of good football people over the years, and I think he's just got to recruit. And that's the problem at Purdue is getting athletes that want to go play, you know, in rural Indiana, for God's sake. It's a one-horse town, and it just there's not a whole lot going on there. You're an hour and a half from anything good in Indianapolis, and so – uh, you're out in the middle of nowhere there. They won the division last year, though. I mean, they got to to the championship game for the first time with Brom. And then, you know, first chance he had, he flew the coop for Louisville. So, um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, over the years, they'll, they'll build a program there, I think, with that coach. But, you know, it's certainly – you're going into a different era going forward, you know, an 18 team big 10. Uh, I got a chance to talk to the commissioner a little bit and uh, you know, it, it's a new frontier, something that none of us have ever thought about. And we'll see how long 18 teams can coexist because it's like uh, herding cats. When you have 18 different schools with 18 different agendas, I think it's going to be hard to, uh, to keep everybody on the same page, but that TV money that just rains in from uh, NBC, Fox, Peacock, CBS. Uh, them checks are going to be uh, hard not to cash. So there you go. There you go. And yeah, I'm sure everybody knows. If you don't know, the game is on Peacock only this Saturday. Five ninety. So if you want to watch the game on Peacock, it's five ninety nine to sign up. And then if you want to, you can cancel. You get it for a month. You know, and last thought, you know, we've all lived with streaming for five or 10 years now. Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime now has Thursday Night NFL. Apple did some baseball. Uh, Paramount, you know, all these different streaming are in Peacock. And I know it's it's hard to have five or six streaming services that you want to subscribe to at four, five, six, eight, ten dollars $10 a month. Uh, I know HBO is starting one max, I think. Uh, uh, yeah you know, Charter, Spectrum, whoever, you know, whatever that WBD is, is the parent company is starting one there too. So that's another one. They're going to get sports as well. So uh, I understand it. It's not what everybody wants. Ohio State basketball has five games on Peacock and three on Big Ten Network Plus streaming. That's eight streaming games out of 31 in the regular season for Ohio State this year. And my comment was, are you deliberately trying to uh, erode uh, interest in your team and your sport by putting it on streaming only? But, you know, it's the future. So, and with 18 teams in the Big Ten, they have so much tonnage of inventory of games. There's only one place to put it, and that's streaming. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, and they promised, you know, they wanted every dime that they could possibly get the Big Ten, and that's, you know, that's good, I guess. You know, you want every dime that you can get, but this goes with it. NBC, they promised NBC, we're going to give you night games even in November. 
Um, you know, we're going to give, you know, games on Peacock only, including Ohio State. So, um, but again, for those that don't know, on Peacock this Saturday, high noon, $5.99, and then you can cancel if you want to. So I think just my personal opinion, even though I, I get everybody that's upset about it, there's only 12 regular season Ohio State football games per year. Like $5.99 to watch an Ohio State game to me is like – I, you know, I wouldn't miss it for the world, but uh, if I was a fan, but um, anyway, that's my little uh, public service announcement, but I get it. I get the frustration. I really do. Um, Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate it, Steve. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day. We will see you tomorrow on the Bucknuts Morning 5. Thanks again, everyone. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.